Hi, everybody. My name is Thomas. I'm the director of student ministries here at Nova, and I don't get to uh, stand at the pulpit and preach very often, but I am grateful for the opportunities when I do to uh, bring God's word before you. So uh, if you have a Bible, or if you can pull one up on your phone, I'd encourage you to open to the book of First Peter. Uh, it's close to the end of the Bible in the New Testament, close to the end there, and it's a really small one. So if you flip, you might flip past it really fast, so use that table of contents if you need to. We're going to be in First Peter chapter 1. So First uh, Peter is an epistle, it's a letter written by the Apostle Peter, who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and now is one of the leaders of the early church at this time that he's writing it. And he is writing to persecuted Christians in Asia Minor. And it was a letter that was meant to be circulated among multiple churches so that they could be encouraged and built up. And it's a pretty short letter. Um, and it's a good one, though. One of the themes that we find in this letter uh, is Peter's emphasis on referring to God's people as exiles. And you see it right away, right in the chapter 1, verse 1. He refers to them as exiles. And so that's why we have titled the series that we're in here in First Peter, Sojourners. If you see on your uh, worship bulletin on the front there, we have some artwork. looks nice. Um, it's uh, called Sojourners. And so uh, Peter, what he wants to do with this language is he wants to remind these Christians that this world is a place that we are passing through. There is an ultimate destination. This world that we live in now is not our true home. And we look forward to a future forever in God's kingdom, but we are not there yet. So how do we live in this world that is slowly beating us down a little bit and tempting us away from God? That's what Peter's first letter is all about. And so let's read our text today. 1 Peter chapter 1 starting at verse 13, and we're going to go all the way to chapter 2, verse 3. And so just before this passage we studied last week, uh, Peter is talking about the reality that these Christians have been and are being saved by Christ from the trials and persecutions that they are experiencing in their lives. So he says to them, you have been saved. In verse 13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as gold or silver that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God." Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever." 
And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That is God's word for us today. And so the whole passage centers around verses 15 and 16. And they're really short. It just says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy, says the Lord. The command here is to be holy. And everything in this passage centers around these two verses and helps to support that exhortation. We are supposed to be holy. And so what do you think of when you hear those words like holy? Because when I hear holy, I think about, first thing that comes to mind is a worship song. Like, holy is the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> uh, we, we, we say holy a lot about God. We praise God for his holiness. And this term is used in reverence of God and how perfect and set apart he is. It's not a term we use often in our everyday language, even to other Christians, like, hey, stay holy, my friend. <laughs> I never say that. <laughs> I think of holy when I think about God. And so when I hear Peter reminding us to be holy, I think, well, that, that kind of seems impossible. Like, it's, it's just not possible. It's, I, can't, I can't be like God who perfect? Like, it sounds really complicated, and I don't think I can do it. And so I wanted to get, like, two little foundations of holiness before we really, like, dive into our text. And so, you know, what do you think of when the scriptures say to be holy? Because I think of a bunch of rules and commands that are in the Bible and while these commands are a pretty small portion of the Bible overall, it still feels like, man, that's, that's a lot to follow. And have you ever thought about most of those rules and been like, yeah, I'm super solid on like, like most of that. <laughs> but God asks us to be holy like he is. In verse 16 there, it quotes from Leviticus in the Old Testament. And Peter reaffirms this calling for us today. Be holy because the Lord is holy. He, the Lord, is perfect, and I know that I am far from that. But God doesn't intend for us to feel overwhelmed with all the rules. You know, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't you ever feel really tired sometimes, even though Jesus says that? Overwhelmed, beat down, hopeless, there's too much. How will you ever do it all? So you just give up in some area? Well, Jesus doesn't want it to be that way. He is here to take away our burdens. In Matthew 22, Jesus actually he sums up all of the law, all of the rules, with two simple commands. All the law is summed up with love the Lord and love your neighbor. Those two things. And that, like, that makes it sound almost like doable. I can actually wrap my mind around that a little bit. We're called to holiness, and holiness, while feeling overwhelming, is simpler than it seems. It is simple, but the standard set before us, God, is impossible and unfathomable. He's perfect. 
We are to strive to be like Christ, who was perfect in every way. Thankfully, thankfully, Jesus also promised a helper that would come after he left, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live the lives that God has for us. For what we cannot do, God does for us. Thank God. We are empowered by the Spirit. And now if you would, if you still have your Bible in front of you, please open to Acts chapter 4. I want to look at something there. Because when I think about the Holy Spirit working in the Bible, I often think about miracles taking place. Like, man, this person was healed through the power of the Spirit. But I really love this passage in Acts um, because it's, it's a little more subtle in the way our modern Bibles have formatted things with uh, titles and such. And so I want us to look at it. So Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Let's start there. The believers are all coming together and they are praying. And then starting at verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. And they spoke the word of God boldly. And then verse 32, you know, it has a title there if you're looking at the NIV, but you know, that just that flows all there. That goes all together. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. And then verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And so we see they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they take that and they go and they speak God's word and there is this unity and this generosity and this total love for one another right after they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, I see that at work here in Nova too and how you take care of one another. You bring meals and visit and provide for one another how you give to the open campaign to build a playground open to the community. I see, I see the Spirit of God at work in this church. And I pray that the Spirit continues to open us up and to work in our midst. The first church in Acts that we read about here, it made waves in their community with the love that they showed to one another. It was just so different than the culture they were in. People weren't doing things like that. May it be so here in the South Bay. So holiness, it might feel like a heavy burden, but it's simpler than it feels sometimes. And God has not left us to our own devices, but he has given us his spirit to empower us. And we have a role in partnering with the spirit. We need to open ourselves up to the spirit so that he may bring about holiness in us. And so, coming to our text, how does Peter advise us to do this? What helps us to be holy? Because that's what Peter is writing about here. Well, I have six things that we're going to look at. The first one is a future hope, verses 13 and 14. A future hope in verses 13 and 14. We are meant to have a tight grip on the world to come and a loose grip on this world and our past 
verse 14. You know, when I think about my own life and how God saved me and came into my life, all kinds of things changed in me. My desires were reordered. I loved God and I wanted to see his kingdom come. And so I looked forward to that ideal that God has set before us and I strived to make that a reality in my own life. Everything about me changed. I began to love God. I began to love others more than I loved myself. It was a good change. You know, I, I have, uh, as an example, uh, I've never been a sports guy, um, but I've always liked video games. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, So I got into video games when I was in high school, and I've uh, kind of continued in, in that uh, whenever I have time. Um, and so I really like competitive games. Uh, where you work together to achieve a goal and you're battling another set of players. Um, it's, it's really fun and I, I like competing and doing that and I like getting better at that. I like the challenge that's there. And so I started doing that and I was like, man, I'm not really getting better just doing the same thing that I have been doing in this game. Like, I, I do this, I do that, and I, I, keep, I keep losing and ah, I'm not so great here. And so what I started to do was I looked up other people who play video games online, because you can watch people play video games online, which is super weird, uh, <laughs> but you can do that, and it's really cool. Uh, and so I started watching people who were better than me, and I began learning from them. I'm like, oh, he does that, and he positions like this, and oh, that's really interesting. And so I grew better by watching these other people play. And uh, when, I, when, I, when I think about uh, this, the, the Christian life, we have to be looking to what is better and learn from it so that we can achieve that goal. We need to be looking forward to the future, looking forward to the kingdom that Christ wants to establish here on earth so that we can make that a reality in our lives today. Just like I was using video games and <laughs> trying to get better at it, I'm looking to someone who's doing better and going, all right, how can I change things in the here and the now? So we need to look at Christ, look at God and his holiness, look at the future kingdom to come and bring that to bear on our lives in the here and the now. We need to strive for the ideal and to not get stuck in the past sin and failures and persecution that we may be experiencing, but look forward to the hope and the freedom and the perfection that is to come. The second thing that we see in the text is a fear of God. A fear of God helps us to be holy. It's in verse 17. A healthy fear of God and his judgment. We have all felt guilt in our lives. And God is the one that we will ultimately answer to. It is not that God wants us to be scared of him and always cowering in fear and worried about him. He loves us and cares for us. But he also wants what is best for us. He is perfect and just and will judge each of us for what we have done. And it is good to have a healthy fear of the law, that it might encourage us in the right direction. So a healthy fear of God helps us to be holy as well. The third thing that we see in the text here is that we have been born again. And you see that in a good chunk of our passage in verses 18 to 21 and then in 23 to 25. We have been redeemed, it says. We have been born again. 
And so what does it mean to be born again? We have been forgiven. We have been purified. We've been made right before God who judges justly, which is amazing because we are all guilty of doing what is wrong. We can never do enough to be truly holy. And I think we know that. We've tried to do that before. And we've tried to do the right thing all the time, and we've failed. When somebody makes you angry, or you just get tempted towards something that you shouldn't, and you fail. But we have been redeemed, it says, from the empty way of life that we once had, verse 18. All because of this new identity that we have done nothing to achieve for ourselves. But Christ has done for us and given to us which we receive by believing. And so we are spurred on in partnership with the Holy Spirit working in us to the lives that God has called us to. And if you want to hear a little bit more about being born again and new identity, you can check out the sermon from last week Pastor Dean preached on. You can find that on our website, novachurch.org. It's a good one. The fourth thing that we see here to push us towards holiness is a very simple command, to love one another. Verse 22. A sincere and deep love for one another. Holiness, when worked out, looks like love. When you are living the way that God intended you to live, you have a deep love for your neighbor. And that can play out in many ways. But the command in Scripture is very simple. Love. And we saw that in the passage in Acts, chapter 4, where the believers were unified and they shared all that they had with one another. They were showing love to one another. It's very simple. The fifth thing. What should I avoid? What, is, what does this practically look like? So this is chapter 2, verse 1 there. A little more practical. What should we not do? As we are looking to be holy, what should we avoid? Well, it says in chapter 2, verse 1, no malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. Get rid of all of it. So you're not stirring up trouble, not telling a lie, not even a little white lie. You're not saying one thing and doing another. You don't lust for what others have or talk back about others behind their backs. These are some pretty general rules for living. And we're going to see more of them in First Peter even and throughout the rest of Scripture. Little commands that flesh out what it looks like to love God and love your neighbor. So some things you can avoid to help you love your neighbor because it wouldn't be very loving to have malice towards your neighbor or to slander them. That is not good. That is not holy. So what should you avoid? You got a little list right there. It's good. The sixth thing in our last part of our scripture today is chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. Have the desire to grow in your salvation. Desire pure spiritual milk, it says. Teaching from God's word. The spirit works in us as we read scripture as we read these commands and how they look in our lives. The, uh, the epistles, like this one in 1 Peter, they are written to Christians, just really practically fleshing out what it looks like to be holy. 
And some of them are really specific. He's telling, um, you know, just a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor, Pastor John talked about uh, Philemon, and it was a very specific situation where a letter was written to a man and telling him, hey, you should do this and you should do that. Very specific. That's what it looks like to work out holiness. That's what these letters do. And you can see that working out all over Scripture. And then we can take that and apply it to our own lives. And that happens because the Spirit works in us, convicts us of sin that we have, and enables us to live rightly. As we read God's word, we are inspired to purify our lives, to grow in love for God and one another. And so, attempting to be holy, it it seems like an impossible task, an impossible standard, but God has really made it simple for us. Love one another, open yourself up to the Spirit, and he has given us instruction in his word May we desire it and seek it out. The world that we live in is temporary. We are sojourners. We are exiles here. And we look forward to the one that is to come, where sin and pain are no more. And we strive to make that a reality in the present with the time that we have been given. Let's pray.